pancake, 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 pancake. My name is Matthew Kroll. And Milkshake? My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movie. About movie. About one movie. Just one movie. Just a singular a singular film. There is a podcast that does that. I know we're the only podcast about movies, but there's a podcast, and it's from New Zealand, and I think it is quite popular. They review they watch Grown Ups 2 every day there's a, there's a couple podcasts yeah, like, that do that there's one that does Sex in the City 2 every day or they review oh, a minute right. of it or like something yeah like yeah that. that's the popular thing as well yeah. like in, there's an Indiana Jones one where they do one minute of Indiana Jones so we are not the only podcast about movie no, we are the only take, podcast you take, you take that no, back no no you take that back you didn't back. listen to what I was saying I said we're not the only podcast about movie like I said in the beginning it was a mistake we are the only podcast about movies I tra- I trademark movie and movies when I took out our podcast at the patent office. Uh, so, the what office? The patent office. <laughs> Were you very patent? Yeah, I was very patent with my patents. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> patent is, uh, is how you would say But uh, Specifically the film, Ralph Breaks the Internet. That's what we're reviewing today. Ralph should break the patent office. Uh, but <laughs> Shahir, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I feel like I sound like I'm hungover, but I'm not. It's you really don't, weird. You don't really drink. I think it's because I, I have a cold, so I'm just kind of recovering from cold. And it's Freaking freezing out here right now in the streets. Yeah, it's it's not uh, pleasant. Uh, I hope you are listening. When you are listening to this, dear listeners, you are in warmer and more temperate climates. And the thing about it was I walked to the movies in the cold last night. So I just want everyone to know, back in my day, we had to walk six miles to go to a movie in the cold. Was it cold, though, when you had to do it? It was real cold. It, no, no. Last night it was cold, but when you used to have to walk it. Oh, I'm just I'm saying for like future listeners. Oh, who will be like listening to this podcast? You and I are not on the same way. No, like, we wait, gotta wait, get wait, back. Can we like do like a like a time capsule? Sure, thing, sure. Sort of like a beep 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 beep. Oh, I have to beep. beep. Oh, beep 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 beep, 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 beep. Now we're in. We're in? Yeah, we're in sync now. I don't think that I worked. I don't think we're in sync anymore. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Happy it's... Thanksgiving. It's the day after. We're recording this on Black Friday. Okay, Thanksgiving question for you. Yeah. Um, I know you didn't get to, you're, you're going to go see your family next week, right? Yes. You're yep. taking the week off. Yes, yes, yes. So I had my family around, uh, and I went to see Rick and Ralph. But what is, what's your go-to Thanksgiving movie? I don't know if I have one. Oh, yeah? I think the Thanksgiving movie tradition that I have is bringing back whichever film in the last sort of six months that I've bought and am very excited about that is family appropriate. So what are you going to take to your family this this year? Have you you thought about it? Well, you know what it's going to be? You're not going to be happy with it. Please don't tell me it's uh, Infinity War. It's Infinity War. They haven't Uh, seen Infinity War. I feel like our top 10 of the year is going to be very predictable (laughs) this year. (laughs) It's going to be very, very predictable. To be honest, though, look, they watch all the Marvel movies because I make them. Um, (laughs) And they can't get away. It's their house. um, But I do honestly think I I might actually just bring Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh really? Uh, because I think that they will really, really enjoy that film. Yeah, and I, I think that it's they'll. A, yeah, it's kind of more fun. I think they'll like Infinity War because it's a culmination or the close. It's the closest thing we have to one. Yeah. But like, it's definitely a downer. <laughs> yeah, and but no, here's the thing as well. Isn't don't you need to watch Infinity War to understand? I guess the no, because it happens. Of, it yeah. happens. Did, have the, we done Ant Man versus the Wasp? See, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, okay, so we've. We can kind of officially spoil. No, I mean, we're not going to... There's a thing at the end of it that has to... Do, basically, Ant-Man and the Wasp takes place almost like the entire movie right before Infinity War technically does. And then there's uh, an after credits tra- thing that makes it all, you know, whatever. Okay. So my go-to Thanksgiving movie hmm. would probably be, be Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Why? Is I, it the traveling, the traveling well, aspect of the holiday? Well, they're traveling to try to get back to Thanksgiving. 
in the movie. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, and and I I I just love John Candy and Steve Martin in that movie. They I are great. Yeah, I think they're one of the best on screen duos ever. Yeah, I think so. Thanksgiving and 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 screens, I'll say, uh, have an interesting history with me because I my family uh, is a is a uh, especially at, on Thanksgiving is sort of like a football family. Like mm-hmm. they want to watch the games and the 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 pigskins be pig thrown skin. around. Yeah. Um, and I've never had an interest uh, I, as much as I've tried to to get into football. I'm a movie kid. Yeah. Um, but uh, so like. You could watch football movies with him. You could watch Rudy every year. Rudy would be a great Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, but I find that sports films also don't quite resonate with me a lot. Rudy's Rudy? fine. Rudy's yeah. good. I mean, of course. I, but I, I don't I don't think I'd watch Rudy every year. Uh, what about The uh, Last Boy Scout? That would be my other football movie, go-to movie. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's ever been like a football... Now we're really tangenting off yeah. the thing. I, like a football movie that I've been like... <laughs> pumped for. Yeah, I mean, for me, it would be Rudy, any any given Sunday. The closest uh, sport-type movie that I can think of is, like, boxing stuff, like Rocky or right. or Real Steel, but then we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. All right, so if you have a Thanksgiving movie that you love to watch, uh, let us know what it is at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. I think we're going to do, we're going to try and maybe do a Christmas episode again. We did Die Hard last year. I think yep. we're going to try something different this year. I think... Sorry, I'm going back to Thanksgiving movie. Real Steel, I think might wa- I might want to make is it a my thi- is it no. A, it's not a thing, it's but it's a th- it's a real heart wrenching family dysfunction tale. It's a real with, steely with, tale with Rock'em Sock'em robots. Yeah, a family dysfunction. That movie's good. Hugh Jackman is a treasure. Yeah, he is a treasure. Although he got in a little trouble this, not trouble, but uh, there's a thing happening on the internet. Okay, <laughs> which is which is gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try and segue this. Into, you got it. I, I believe in you. Ralph I believe Frank's in you. Internet. But there's a thing going on on the internet, which is that if you are in any way associated with the current administration, you should be critical of it, especially if you are a liberal, left-leaning person. Like, you shouldn't be complacent in your acceptance of what is going on. Sure. And it turns out this week that he, Mr. One Hugh Jackman is good friends uh, with Ivanka and Jared Kushner. Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner, and he like was good friends. Yeah, like good, like good, good friends. Like you know, they've been to, they go to parties together. They, um, she has sends his family gifts, kind of thing. They've known each other for a long time, um, and uh, he was asked on the View, I believe it was, like, well, what do you think of what's happened? You know, her, pol- you know, her influence on the, and he was like, well, I don't, um, you know, we don't discuss it, and I try not to get involved in politics with my friends, and I thought that was an, you know, like. I get what he's trying to do, like, and 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 his point is kind of clear as well because what he's saying is, look, they've been my friends since before, prison, you know, the Donald Trump was president. So, do I abandon my friends once they become, you know, like once this happens? But on the other side of it is, uh, maybe he's not seeing it as crisis point as other people are. Well, of course, so he's not because he's Hugh Jackman. He is Hugh Jackman. So, so he he came under a little bit of flack from for that, you know. Uh, I get that. Um. <sighs> I, I feel like it's funny. D- the amount I love Hugh Jackman is the amount of like rope I will give him to to tether himself at this particular point. Yeah. Um, the the I don't talk to my friends about politics thing mm-hmm. works when neither of the parties are in politics or a direct advisor to the current president. The second the second that you actually become a bit of a policymaker or mm-hmm. someone that can actually affect the world as opposed to just being like uh did you know we never landed on the moon like yeah. that that sort of stuff then uh you your responsibilities shift. Right. 
um, depending on what you believe in. Right. So it's kind that, of a curious. It's a it's a curious case of uh, Benjamin Jackman. I would. Yeah. I. Uh, you know. I'm sure that's a that's a tough thing. But also. But also. <sighs> I like, mean, like for example, Matt, if you became president and you were suddenly putting kids in in, in cages, kind of thing. Right. I. I yeah, I would have to say something about it. Yeah, to you, right? why? Why wouldn't you? I would have to say something about it. Like to you, that's right? that's yeah. kind of the thing. Like I don't care how cool you are. Right. And and we're assuming that Jared and Ivanka are cool in this right. particular case. And right. the only reason I've ever remotely thought that is literally this story. If Hugh Jackman is friends with them, then right. I was like, well, there has to be something okay about them. But, but you see, what just happened here is that I just gave you a story that happened on the internet, and it spiraled out, and we've started to make form opinions about it. Just is like, it not true? No, no, it's true. Oh, damn. That, <laughs> that would have been the best that, exercise. That, that would have been the best, like, Christopher Nolan, ah! M. Night Shyamalan twist on this whole thing. No, he did say this. But I was just saying, like, in terms of connecting it back to our original, uh, to the film that we're here to discuss, it is an example of how in, uh, a particular idea can spiral out because of, uh, because of the way the internet works. You are 100% correct. Yeah. Side note, I think actually the Hugh Jackman stuff is adding up. Because <laughs> if you look at The Greatest Showman, Right. That is a completely clean, squeaky time tale yeah. of a horrible man. But because Hugh Jackman played him, <laughs> we're all like, I want to sing the songs. He's also got his film coming up uh, uh, directed by Ivan Ivan Reitman's son, uh, Jason Reitman. The one about the political candidate. I forgot the... the oh, like, yeah. Gary yeah, Hart, yeah. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, oh, so, so it is, you know, like... Uh, Am I going to... Oh, no. <laughs> Q, no! It's interesting, though, how, like, you know, you can become uh, politicized, uh, e even though I think one of the things about Hugh Jackman is he's defiantly anti-political, right? Like, he's, he's, like, he's not a political entity. He's just a sort of, you know, like, he's a, he's a very nice face, a good actor, um, but he's not, like, you know, he's not injecting himself into political com conversation. I, there's a difference between injecting yourself yeah. and when asked a direct question being like, nah, bro. Yeah, like, I, I, well, I, th I think I think that was the 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 basis of his response is like, look, this is not an issue I get involved in. But here's the here's the trickery of it too. Like, w why do you not believe that kids in cages are bad? Like that that's the thing. Like, there's a point when you like, even if you could. I mean, again, it's totally different. <laughs> it's difficult. It's not yeah. a real. It's not a thing I can actually. I'm just trying to look at it from sort of both sides. On one case, if now let's flip it. If Shahir, if you were putting children in cages, yeah, and I went up to you, and I was like, what? the shit yeah and then we got into a fight about it yeah like i'd be like well i don't want to be friends with that yeah, person I think anymore was, yeah. but like or if 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 you came to me this, this is the other interesting and this is in no way saying that ivanka and jared are fucking good people i'm just trying to figure out a way that this makes sense and i can save my love of hugh jackman and his love of uh rock'em sock'em robots okay the if you said to me when you're putting kids in cages and you could be like this is the least of the evil that I could possibly have happen. You should hear the shit that we are blocking and trying to do. This <laughs> this one squeaked through, and I'm I'm appalled, and I'm terrified, and we are working to fix it. But, oh, my God, they're literally going to start liquefying human beings, and Soylent Green will be real. And yeah. I'd be like... Uh, uh. I think that... Do you remember the op-ed that was written by the Republican White House staffer? 
Did you ever no. read? Uh, there was a, there was an op-ed that was written by uh, yeah because it was like at least three weeks ago and the news cycle doesn't work like that <laughs> yeah. anymore. Uh, there was an op-ed written by a White House staffer who basically said we are the tither, we we are the safety oh, valve yes. on uh, on Donald Trump, and you should see the stuff that he's actually trying to do. And so kids in cages isn't that bad. I I don't buy that. For a second, but I don't particularly. Re- no, I'm saying I, I don't buy that in real life as yeah. things are going on right now. I'm yeah. saying I'm trying to think of a scenario. Right, right, right. Anyway, we're you know we're, what a scenario that we should be trying to think t- about. Take right? it back. Yeah. Take it back. The scenario we should be trying to think about is what would happen if our one of our favorite characters. I'm I'm speaking for myself here. Favorite characters from a 2012 movie broke out of his video game world and onto the internet, which is the synopsis of Rick and Ralph. The Sequel to the 2002 film. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie, <clears throat> it dropped, actually, it dropped two days ago, which right. is nice. Yeah. Um, and I saw it, I guess, opening night. I saw it, Shahir, I saw it at, 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 at my buddy Stephen Bugin of, um, of you know, old Same Night Movie Review fame and also Oscar, Oscar Watch, Watch podcast. Um, see, now we're in sync. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, you should check that out, by the way, if you want to see uh, basically really wonderful breakdowns of every Oscar-winning film. Or hear them, just at least. Oh, no, you <laughs> stare, you see, you hear it so well, you see his beautiful face. Um, the But we went, and he to, the, the, the place to meet up between Brooklyn and Queens uh, is... Greenpoint? No, no, we, we moved on to the island. We went to Manhattan, because okay. the trains actually would just run there faster. We went to <gasps> Times Square. Uh, I know, I know. I was shocked too. Uh, we went to the AMC, and I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah. Uh, and obviously, every machine was broken, and the entirety of getting into the theater was a nightmare. But mm-hmm. I went to this thing. It's another gimmick from a movie theater. Not 4DX. No, no, no fuck that. We yeah. all know how I feel about 4DX. Yeah. This is called AMC Prime. Oh, this is the new. This is what you've done as an alternative to. Uh, to uh, movie pass? No, this okay. isn't the service. This is a style of theater. Oh, okay. Called AMC Prime or Prime AMC. Mm-hmm. And I and I when I bought the tickets, they were like 23 bucks. I was like, that's expensive, but not like 3D expensive. So I'm like, what am I buying? Yeah. It was the time we needed to go. So we walk in and it's beautiful leather, like big cushy couch-like leather seats, the entire thing. They recline, they do all the stuff that's, you know, very, very nice. But what this thing did is what I think rd 4dx or whatever like should do like they shouldn't do what they do in 4dx it should never go past what m what what uh what what amc prime is and it was just super crystal clear sound loud not crazy not deafening but the all of the subwoofers were under you could tell were underneath the uh the the stadium seating right so when things happened in the film you know, you shook a little bit, not like violently, but like almost like a bit of a like a, a, a very minor massage chair right. going. Yeah, and it it had a sense of a little bit of extra immersion, but never enough where I'm like was distracted by it. Other than the like, they do the whole thing to like demonstrate it at the beginning with like the ten, nine, eight, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "What the shit is happening?" But then, yeah. like when the movie was happening, it was Please. honestly a delight. And I I would be curious. Now, I don't want to go back to that theater, but if other theaters <laughs> offered just because it's Times Square, uh, yeah, if other theaters offered this Prime thing for a couple more bucks, yeah, it's a, it's it's not a solution, but it is a balm. It is a it is something that was I was nice that I wasn't expecting. I realize I've actually been to that uh, AMC Prime, and I saw Deadpool two there. Okay, and uh, the that was the scenario where there was a baby in the front row. Oh, and, and so the baby in the front row. So now you you've experienced how how loud that theater is. Yeah. But loud and clear. You know, it's good sound. 
But like now, imagine all the guns shooting in Deadpool two Fuck. and a baby in that screen. They, I have been to that theater. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so uh, I, I, but it is worth it, right? Like, yeah, the baby thing is not AMC's fault. No. <laughs> well, I mean, they could not let the baby in, but that's neither here nor there. I got into a conversation with an AMC staffer about that. You yeah. Know, they were like, they were like, yeah, we just let them in, but like in New Zealand, uh, it's illegal. You you know the theater can because be you care about children in New Zealand. Well, it's just it's the the way the law works there is that the theater will be fined uh, as they if, should be. Yeah, if if you know like children are being led into movies that are not rated for children. Anyway, <laughs> I love the rating systems for everything in this country. It's like don't watch this thing. Yeah, but what if I do? All right. Have you seen uh, this film is not your rated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a uh, check that out. Okay, I feel like we have like avoided talking about. We're this movie. okay. And it's not. And it's not because it's not a good movie. I think it's a great movie. Transition back into it. Uh, if we've avoided talking about this movie, no, because I had one more thing I wanted to talk about before we actually get into the movie. It's like oh. it's like you know what we're doing right now is we're taking the audience through like a walkthrough of like what it's like to go to the movies with Matt and Shahir. Like we're at we're going to Times Square. Oh, uh, God, Times Square. We're going into the movie theater and you're buying this ticket for the Amazon Prime thing. And it's got the sound thing, and now and you it's know, not it's, Amazon Prime, it's uh, just Prime. AMC Prime, and now and, and you know the sound is kind of nice. And now the one thing I want to talk about is right before the movie starts. Okay, um, I don't know if you had this in your screening, but a director introduction. Oh, I did. Thank you for bringing this up. <laughs> the director introduction. So I went to see two movies this week. I saw Widows, and I saw um, I want to see Widows. Uh, Ralph breaks the internet, and in both cases they had the director introduction. Really? Yeah. And in Widows, it was like, oh, why are you doing this? And in, in Ralph breaks the internet, I was also like, oh, why? Are you doing this because there is something about like uh, now I love thinking about the director and I love thinking about the way a director works and and you know and how they may have made choices in a film and that sort of thing that's something that I'm really interested in but there's something about seeing the director right before the film that kind of for me it just puts me off kilter it, it makes me just like it makes me literally have the picture of the director in my mind, like having conversations as I'm watching the movie. And I, I don't know if it bugged you, but it, it's, it's like I, I don't know what, what function it served and why movies are doing this. Now. Hubris. Hubris? The function mm. is hubris. So, Le okay. I was audibly annoyed <laughs> that that thing exists. It's almost like a two minute long skit. Yeah. And it's a bad skit. Yep. And it didn't it's awkward. Put, and it didn't put faith in me about their joke telling ability. Yeah. So yeah. I was going into uh, Ralph Breaks Dinner. I'm like, oh god. Like, yeah. am I? Is this what I'm in store for? Because it's like the gag. I'm gonna give it away. I'm gonna spoil the director mm. shit. Yeah. So in the beginning of it, it's the director and like two producers or something. No, but, it's two directors. Oh, two directors and so, one producer. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, so they're. You know, older white men, middle-aged white men. It's it's also the what they're wearing. You know, like it's they're wearing all, suits. It's, and... it's just it's weird, and they're all like it, the joke is they're all like facetiming kind of, and so like they're talking about they're like we want to thank you so much for coming and da 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 da, and they're saying trying to do some funny things and like there's like glitches in it and it like yeah. has to buffer and I'm just like great. Yeah. And then after they go on and on and on and on for like a minute and a half, it's revealed that they're all in the same room and they're like, how do I turn this off? Yeah. And I'm like. This is the most tone deaf shit, and I was like, "Why did this exist?" Yeah, why does it exist? And it, it it's exactly what you said that you know it did for you is what it did for me is it made me go, "Oh boy, I'm in for a rough one here." If this is like the level of comedy that we're gonna get from these guys, yeah, then I'm not on board for this movie. And I will say, a the writer of the film had nothing to do with writing that tiny sketch. No, I'm sure it was a marketing PR thing. But uh, like, so it's like that's a, so that that's what it comes down to, right? It's these men. 
are trying to, and, and look, look, well, be hustle, hustle, your, hustle, yeah. hustle yourself. We yeah. all do it, but these men are trying to poorly, in my opinion, basically do more promotion for themselves as directors and and filmmakers as opposed to just letting the film speak for itself. Also, they're doing it after you've bought the ticket to the movie. Also, they're <laughs> doing it in a kids movie. Meaning, no child, like, I mean, it, we all, adults can enjoy it too, of course, but like, I was trying to think, who is this for? Yeah. It's not for the children. The children just want to see the cartoon come yeah. up. It's not for the adults who are looking for the thing because the amount of humor in it is not the right kind of humor for an adult yeah. or an adult with any sort of discerning taste. Yeah. I was like, you're literally doing it because you want your face on the screen. I don't. I I would say because in the case of Widows, where it's Steve McQueen doing it, you can tell he doesn't want to do this. Like he's he's getting up there and going, and like he's yes, doing all these hard I cuts. Get that. You know, like he just doesn't want to do this. So I'm getting the impression I get is that it's something that they're mandated to do now. They but, wanted to do that, but yeah, but they this team decided to kind of like go off and like, oh, we could make something out of this. You know, like let's not just get up on camera and do something. Let's like make it a little bit of a gag, and it's a bad gag. It's and not, I love bad gags. I'm the I'm the Duke of bad gags. Okay. Like I, I, you're if sure you, bad. If gag. you watch any of the recent extra credits episode, any bad gag in it, I did that. Okay. That was me, right? Um, and I, I love them. Yeah. And I, but I, what I try to do is make sure that they don't happen. Like a lot of my bad gags on that series, I do at the end. Right. You've watched the entire thing. You've gotten what it, you came for, and now I've done a little extra thing. Maybe you'll like my cheesy humor. Yeah, maybe maybe the way to do this, maybe the solution is to put this at the end of the movie yeah. because it's like, oh, I've watched the movie now and this will give me reason to stick around in the theater. Yeah. You know, like if if, if, if the, that's something that interests you. Yeah. Something that movie theaters are doing a lot and we will get to Ralph Breck's the internet. <laughs> we will get to. Uh I'm really getting pissed at the amount of not only trailers. I think there's too many trailers in front of films, but also like I'm not even mad anymore. This is how desensitized I am. I'm not mad at the commercials before the trailers start. I don't care. Play yeah. play whatever you want. It's also a socially acceptable thing to talk over them because the lights aren't down and it's fine. Yeah. But in this prime AMC thing, they did like four separate 30-second big graphic and sound announcements, three of which sponsored by Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I get it. Your theater suite. Like, I get I'm here. Yeah, I'm yeah. here. Yeah. Like, do it once. Cool. Oh, and then then there's like all the really dead-eyed film students oh, that Coke pays. I was, I was gonna talk about that. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I feel so bad for these kids. So describe it. Describe so this two, what we see. So see. two kid like it'll usually be two film students from like CUNY or USC Wherever. or something like that. Hey, my name is Bob Johnson and and this is my film. And I was like, and I can just see their slow. Like the thing I don't like about it is it's not a film. It's basically it's a an, commercial. It's a commercial for Coca Cola, and you know, basically they were told, "Hey, we can, we'll give you the best tick, you know, like cameras, whatever, and we'll play your movies nationally, and you'll get to be in front of it as long as the thing you show is how awesome AMC, Coca Cola, and popcorn is." Yeah, and it was like, and, and so that's what every single film, one of these films are, and I'm like. Oh man, this is you know like if I was a film school kid, I would be pissed that this is like what I had to do. I mean, unless these kids are like walking out of this with like three picture deals from Sony or something like They're that. They're not. And, you know, and it, the interesting thing is they all have the same dead-eyed expression when they do the, "Hi, my name's John and I'm Sandy. Enjoy our film." I would love to have one of those people on the podcast. Oh, if talk. any of you, oh my God, please. If I John, need... Sandy, Roger James, whatever your name is, if you have made one of those films and, and are here to refute our 
impression of what it's like. Yeah. I bet you probably can't contractually. Of course not. Uh, but but try. Yeah. And, be, you know, you know, give us like blank three times or something like that so we know that you're in trouble. Oh my uh, god. At onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. I one last thing, every time because the last line of that before the film starts, before the big Coca-Cola and popcorn and AMC <laughs> commercial starts. They always say, enjoy our film. Yeah. And I audibly say, not loud, just because yeah. I don't want to be obnoxious. I'm like, I will not. <laughs> every time. That is every obnoxious. Time. That is obnoxious. Because I won't. I will not. No, no, nobody. That's the thing. This is, okay, last round. <laughs> last round. I know you're getting paid to do this, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you know, like popcorn. You're, you're, you're paying people to do this. Big popcorn's paying them. Yeah, but 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 recognize at some point that bad jokes don't connect. You know, like nobody is remembering this stuff. Unless unless the 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 aim is just, you know, like uh impressions through volume. Like you just it is, it has to be. seeing enough of the Coca-Cola product to go, I hate this joke, but man, am I thirsty. You know? Um so anyway, okay. Now we're sitting in the theater. Yep. Ralph breaks the internet begins. Yes. Um <laughs> Yep. Uh, the Disney logo comes up uh uh bigly on the screen. Yep. <laughs> as it does. And and we're back in. Now here's the thing about Ralph breaks the internet uh, about Ricket Ralph. Yes. I loved Ricket Ralph. Ricket Ralph was wonderful. Cannot remember it for the life of me. I <laughs> remember so that's the thing cuz this movie uh, Ralph breaks the internet has a lot of themes. Yeah. And and I was like what was the th- Theme, I w- and I, I didn't want to look it up, and I didn't want. And let's see if we can just dis- we can dissect. I actually did. I oh. I, I watched a, a little like summary okay. of it. So if then you can maybe correct. This is my memory because I'm in the same boat as you. I yeah. own that movie. That movie's in a cabinet yeah. fifty feet away from me. Um, the so Ralph's the bad guy of an uh, of eight uh, bit video game. Yeah. Uh, everyone loves Felix. Everyone hates Ralph because yeah. he's the villain. He yeah. has nowhere to go. He doesn't feel like he belongs. He's never felt like he belongs. Yeah. Uh, and then also another character who's a bit of an outcast, uh, Vanellope, um, mm. uh, Von Schweetz or whatever. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, is in a game called Sugar Rush, and it's a racing game, and she glitches all the time, and they both sort of are misfits and outcasts, and don't feel like they belong in their in their respective games. Like, and then and then the other thing is that that he transitions into her world. He figures out how to get into her game. Well, all of them. I think at this point you can always go into the other games because of uh, uh, because of the power. I thought bar. that was a thing. Or maybe uh, like they. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because the, 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 all the different characters, like the villains, have like a support group and like yeah, all yeah. that stuff. And then uh, the bad guy. In that movie is like the gumball guy who's like the mayor of Candy Rush or something, yeah. uh, who's actually like an evil character from another game and tries to stop something. And then like I don't remember. Yeah, so like, yeah, that's about it. I guess the the theme is uh, finding your own f- family or where you belong. Yeah, fi- figuring out what what it is, you know, and not and not uh, adhering to the. Uh, idea of you that is already out there. You yeah. can be whoever you want to be. Yeah, there we be go. Be who that... you want to be. Right. Yeah. So that's what the theme of Wreck-It Ralph was. Yeah. Um, okay. So wait, wait. So where were you going? You 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 said you loved Wreck-It Ralph. That but I was couldn't the, remember. Couldn't remember I couldn't plot. remember the plot to for the life of me. Now, admittedly, it was uh, six years ago since uh, since I saw that film. I only saw it once. Took my wife to it. We saw it in New Zealand. She loved it. She absolutely great. loved it. And I remember, I remember really enjoying it. It's also very, very. It, it's it is a, a Disney fight or a um a um you know a childlike view into the world of the good and bad of video games. Yeah. Which it's a great sort of starter point for people that like. You know, either don't re- aren't really familiar with video game culture, or that like can be like, I remember Pac Man. Like the, it, and I'm always a fan of smart 
things that do that that make yeah. people outside of the gaming community feel included in the gaming community based on something that they might remember um, without dumbing it down. Like, again, this is a show that I like, but I know a lot of people have a problem with in my community, uh, Big Bang Theory. Okay. Big Bang Theory is super geek light and they it's not just your community that doesn't like that show by the way it, uh, it, it still <laughs> prints money so i don't understand what's happening I, if money was the only barometer of whether a show is good then then we would be in a very different world <laughs> two and a half men coming back for season 97 yeah um the but like that's something that i don't always respect the way they handle things that are parts of my life but right. i still like the show whatever wreck it ralph took something that's a big part of my life and not only did uh, portrayed it respectably but also, I th think did it in a nice enough light where people that are not part of my, you know, cultural zeitgeist can be like, oh, this is nice and fun and it's there's good things to it. So I, I really did appreciate that. That doesn't happen a lot in sort of uh, geeky, gamey sort of culture. The way I would I would describe the way I think that works is kind of akin to what Toy Story did for for young men. Yeah, uh, is that it? It 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 is about there is a nostalgia element to this, and it's not like it's not about video games right now. Nope. It's about the it's a it's a, it's targeted at a very specific group of people, and those are people who transitioned from uh, arcade arcade games and Ataris and you know Super NES and that kind of thing into PCs, and you know, and so they have a little because it does mention like the new world of like you know um multiplayer yeah. you know, combat games and that sort of thing played by that character by Jane Lynch. So I think it's very specifically about those people. It's not it's not targeted necessarily. I mean hopefully younger people now who grew up playing iPad games and who grew up, you know, uh playing Minecraft will have some interest in it. Yeah. And this is a real distinction between um for me uh between this and Ready Player One. You know, Ready Player One is. It feels like it's immersed in a culture that is uh, of now. Mm. You know, like it's very much. It's it's not people who played Pac Man and that sort of thing. It's people who grew up playing Minecraft. You know that that's what Ready Player One is kind of about. You, you <laughs> I, at Ready Player One, you need to kind of understand what an MMO is before yeah. you can actually know what's happening. Exactly. You don't need to understand any of that now. I'll say straight up, Ready Player One is a bad movie. <laughs> it is a bad, bad, bad movie. I did not like that movie. I really enjoyed Ralph Breaks the Internet because uh, I think, and here's here's you know kind of my initial thoughts on it. I think Ready uh, Rick at Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet, whatever you want to call this franchise, has the potential to be kind of like Toy Story light. Which is that it is it is appealing to this nostalgia, and what I like with the sequel is it's opened the world up into something bigger, yeah, uh, in a really sort of smart way. Unfortunately, the only distinction I would say is that Toy Story, and it may maybe it's my demographic, maybe it's my age group. You know, when I saw Toy Story and I grew up with those films, is that those movies really resonated with me. Those movies like brought me to tears and weepy tears, kind of thing, and and you know they have a strong place in my heart. I think Rick at Ralph really functions well like i think uh, ralph breaks the internet does some incredibly smart things and is manages to be of the now in a way that few films could do like it manages to be of the now without getting too specific so that it would date within a year it gets you it gives you the feeling of the now without giving you specifics yeah and 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 the the feeling of the now isn't just going oh here uh, you know like oh we're obsessed with BuzzTube in this case, or yeah. YouTube, we're obsessed with memes, we're obsessed with, you know, like cat videos and that sort of thing. It also is of the now in terms of like what it's doing with sexual politics and like gender identity and, you know, pol uh, the politics of what it, where we are as a culture right now and how we're transitioning. And I think it, it does that really smartly with Ralph. 
which is a really surprising. And, and also, I just went to Disneyland uh, with uh, with my uh, five year old niece, mm-hmm. uh, and you know we visited a lot of princesses, yeah. you know, and she was dressed up as Elsa a lot of the time. And I loved what this film did we'll get with, to it, yeah. with those characters. Now it is still a Disney product, really. Yeah, it, it, you know, like <laughs> like they are very much telling you all the time, hey, we are Disney product, but it. It does that thing, which is like what The Simpsons used to do with Fox, you know, with Fox all the time, which is that it was able to like gently poke fun at that. Um, and that's the only way you can pull off something like this, in my opinion. You need to you need to understand that your audience seeing just a bunch of shilling shit yeah. will be like, "Fuck you." But unless they're like, oh, the movie understands that it's shilling to us and it's also kind of bucking the trends of the thing it is actually shilling. And that counterbalances it while you're still getting the shill in. Yeah. And I think that I mean, I don't know if this comes from the director, but one of the you know, the two directors are Phil Johnson and Rich Moore. And Rich Moore directed some of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons. Oh, wow. He directed the Cape Fear episode, um, the uh, King of the Hill episode, you know, like he, he directed a lot of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons. And and uh, Futurama, so I think he was kind of in that sweet spot where yeah. those shows could be like really subversive while still like being on the biggest network on television. I wonder, and we'll get. I would like to spend a lot of time on the princess part of this, yeah. Um, yeah. but I wonder how long the meetings were about the script of that. There was an interesting one. The only one I can find on the internet is that they had to remove a joke about Kylo Ren. So they had the, they had a like a, a a gag about Kylo Ren being like a spoiled brat mm-hmm. uh, and some like ongoing gag about it and they had to go to Lucasfilm uh, or or Disney you know Disney's yeah. uh, Catherine Kennedy yeah. probably uh, and they were like no he's kind of the main villain of our series so for you to poke fun at him would kind of undermine our series of course that's completely undermined by the fact that. Um, Adam Driver then went on SNL and did like the whole routine about being a spoiled kid. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's weird, but they, they, they reportedly think, that's the one of the gags they had to remove. I think they want Kylo Ren to be this generation's Darth Vader. Of course, one hundred percent. And Darth Vader, honestly, was weirdly enough, despite the prequels, yeah. is still not a joke. Like Darth Vader looks stupid. He looks cool-ish. Oh, but, he looks cool. But he looks. But like, if you think of like the pantheon of costuming at this point, it looks silly. Now look, you know what it is? Is is his costume looks silly in the wrong light? In the right light. In the right light it, looks great. It looks amazing. But what I'm saying is like, despite all of these things, for whatever reason, you see Darth Vader, and you're like. Oh shit! <laughs> like you, you're never you're if you, if I see Kylo Ren, I know logically in the film world he's incredibly dangerous and un, un, unpredictable. Yeah, but like I'd be like, <laughs> like there's there's a there's a thing about. But it. I but that's because we kind of like know he's a spoiled kid, right? And I and I yeah. love that I I like that about them. Okay, we're veering off from uh from bring uh, it back, Ray, bring it back. No, no. Well, I want to hear your thoughts on Rick and Ralph. So look, this film. Uh, I'll say straight up, I enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, you know, obviously I can nitpick here and there, and I will. Yeah. But uh, I was thoroughly impressed with the fact that how dense this film is, mm-hmm. and I actually, um, I, I I equate it to sort of how we viewed our or how we talked about Suspiria last week. Go mm-hmm. check out that, that uh, podcast. We did that. We talked about some some dancing witches. Um, 
Where Suspiria, I felt like, was a bit scattershot, and granted, the ammunition was all things that I really liked, like mm-hmm. supernatural, uh, horror stuff, uh, witches, um, really pretty people doing awesome <laughs> dances, like string str- confetti dance, uh, string confetti outfits. Sure, yeah. all that stuff that is in my life every day. Yeah, uh, but it didn't hit any particular target. I think it was it was pointing for me. Yeah. Um, this film, again, in the beginning of it, while I was watching it, was so scattershot, and I was like, "What? Okay, okay, okay. What are they gonna pull this off?" And, and then by the end of it, they really every bit of scattershot that they shot hit the proper target for me. Yeah, this movie is a PG film about the internet culture and how and, and social media image. It is a PG film about growing up and how you have to change uh, with your personal relationships. It's a it's oh yeah well it's a PG film about the fluidity of how like yeah not everything is going to stay the same with people you love and care about yeah. and it's a PG film that that the villain is toxic masculinity yeah and I'm like okay like you you did that I I the other reason I, I just thought a lot about you during the movie <laughs> I don't, where is it where is this going I was like oh, I wish he was here next to me right I'm, now. <laughs> oh that's sweet that wasn't where I thought you were gonna go my wife didn't appreciate it well. but yeah <laughs> but but I thought a lot about you in that in that this movie I felt like was hitting was targeted at you in oh, terms yeah. of in terms of like the things it's talking about, and also the issues that you're interested in, and how it's talking about them. Yeah. So I was kind of, I was like, I was like, part of me was like, oh god, I hope Matt doesn't like. I hope Matt likes this movie because I feel like this. If he doesn't like this movie, <laughs> I don't know. Broken. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to talk to him about this movie because I feel this movie is like 100% Matt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, I, and, and you know what? Side note: I've talked to a few people before doing this podcast about how I felt about this movie, and I've been trying mm-hmm. to temper back my love of it. Yeah, because I don't want to be like it's the best thing ever. You have to see it right now, because then people will be like, I mean, it was fine. Like, there's, there's a, there's a. There's a I don't have you noticed this here and actually listeners only movie podcast at gmail.com how do you talk to your friends about films you actually want them to see really badly I at first have tried to be like this is the best you need to see it you need to see it and then they always come back and they're like I mean it was fine yeah because you blow up the you blow up the expectation yeah. I now actually normally I'm like it was very good it's worth seeing um actually you know what I felt like I'll pick like a nitpick I have like one nitpick I have about this which I won't we don't need to talk about much cuz it's not too important is I feel like a lot of the supporting cast from the previous Wreck-It Ralph kind of phoned in their voiceover performances huh okay. uh like it felt like Jane Lynch and um uh, uh, uh Kenneth from yeah, I yeah. can never remember the actor's name Kenneth I'm so McBrayer yeah. yeah yeah uh it felt like they had like one day and they just rushed through it a little like everyone else's voice acting in this felt very like like, I don't know, they had a lot of time with it, and they could really find the most perfect tone. And they, for every time they were on the screen, I was like, I don't, I don't, I, there's something weird. I For me, so. I, but, I'm oh, sorry. I, okay, uh, go ahead, go ahead. The, the, So, like, I said that. I was like, it's a great movie. I loved this about it. But then, like, there was a couple odd things. I purposely lay out, if I want someone to really like a movie, I will lay out, like, one or two stupid, tiny, bad things yeah. in my review of it. As to not overblow it. And then I've found in the research I've done in my own lab <laughs> that they come back and yeah. they're like, it was amazing. I didn't have any of those problems. And I was like, yes. <laughs> you Jedi mind tricked them. Perfect. On it? Um, I think for me, uh, well, my biggest thing is if someone hasn't seen the movie, I don't, I try not to even have a conversation I, other than I think it's worth your time or it's not worth your time. Yeah. Right. Um, because I don't want to like temper. 
It's smart. I, I don't, I don't want to give them like uh, ammunition to walk into a movie with, you know, like with a with a predetermined idea. Yeah. Um, so what it means is I don't have a lot of conversations about movies outside of this podcast. <laughs> uh, saving which, it up. You no, know, this is my outlet. Um, so the the thing here is, you know, the the film kind of sits up this kind of impossible task, which is that it needs to. It needs to convey how the internet works. And then it needs to do it in a way that is appropriate for a kid's movie, but doesn't necessarily shy away from like the stuff that we know the internet is about. Yeah. Like and, and that and I think the the film kind of manages to strike a a really effective balance where the world is kind of set up so big and so large that you know that the 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 shitty stuff that we know about the internet is in there somewhere, but not within the frame of this movie. It peeks in every once in a while. Yeah, you see a little, you know, like pop-up ads, the dark knit kind of thing. You're like, yeah. oh, you know, like sassy housewives want to meet you. You know that's a, that sort of like code for like there is porn on the internet. Yeah. You know, like if, if you just go two clicks away from where this world is pointing, you know, you're going to be in, in you know, some, some dark stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really smart, like a, a very difficult task to do. Now, to me... The thing about it is, um, is that it's a world. The the challenge that these filmmakers have is that it's a world that we're intimately familiar with, and like we know exactly how it works. So, so there was a kind of delight in seeing how they visualize it, but it's like at the same time, I kind of know exactly how this world works. Whereas, in a, for example, in a, in a film like Inside Out. It was like it was tr it was creating a whole new language for how my emotions work, and yeah. it was like, oh, I've never actually thought about the world in those terms. So there was something like magical about I the way they, they they did it inside out. Whereas here, they're trying to like, you know, basically give us a code language for how to deal with the internet with two video game characters. Well, also, so rarely in media these days do we run into either as a joke or not as a joke characters that don't know what the internet is right so yeah. for instance the last time that th there was a it was a minor plot point of a film was honestly jay and silent bob strike back oh yeah where they didn't know where they the didn't know, they're like work. what the fuck is the internet yeah. and then they go, ben affleck explains it that it's basically a place where people go to share opinions about movies and pornography with one another yeah um, a, uh, I think in Family Guy, uh, Quagmire has recently discovered the internet, and the the amazing thing is he comes back with his like a, his left arm is really muscly oh, now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. finally discovers what the internet yeah. is for. So like the with Wreck It <laughs> Ralph in particular, I like yeah what the is, what the internet <laughs> is, is for. for. <laughs> it's for one podcast about film and pornography. And pornography. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ben Affleck. So um, the the interesting thing. I think here about about Wreck It Ralph or about Ralph breaks the internet is it takes the language that we do all understand. Yeah, and it the the first thing to get you in the door before it can actually feed you the important shit that it needs to feed you is like under not only understanding the world but showing you that world in a fun, entertaining and and unexpected yet once you sort of see it logical way. Right. So one thing that I really enjoyed about it was how. Uh, avatars of people or people surfing the internet moved, yeah. Um, and and you know you click on a thing and that instantly turns into a little car and it zips you somewhere to yeah. go to that thing as if as if the internet was a city. So it's yeah. it's combining two um, structures. I I understand the internet and a city, and I now know how that like these characters move about in this animated form. It does yeah. that very quickly, and I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, and without without too much explanation. No explanation. You just <laughs> the visual language of this film is is amazing. Yeah. Also the what something this is a bit of a tangent but it kind of ties in because it's it's the same amount of effortlessness yeah the 
the beginning plot of this film, I guess this is a minor spoiler, but due to Ralph trying to spice up uh, Vanellope, who feels very um, uh, sort of stagnant, Ralph loves his stagnant life after six years, and Vanellope is starting to feel a little bit like, there's got to be more than this. Yeah. Uh, Ralph tries to make a new track in her game, and that causes um, a rift between the player and Vanellope controlling the car that she's driving, and um, the, the kid who's playing the game accidentally breaks the... Mm-hmm. breaks the wheel and the the MacGuffin that they're trying to do this entire time because it's so expensive uh is getting a new physical wheel for for Vanellope's arcade game because uh they have to they were just going to trash the game if they didn't do it because the, the wheel was so expensive and the arcade owner couldn't afford it yeah um so they they're going to the internet to because they, they heard that there's a place called eBay where they can get the wheel e-boy e-boy yeah. and then you get they figure out like oh they need money and then they figure out what money is and yeah. like it goes down this sort yeah. of rabbit hole but that's not I like it because that's not what the game what the game what the movie sort of is about that is the catalyst that you think might be the most important thing when you start but it is definitely not the most important thing when you finish so the way I would describe that is like it's the escalation of story that is continuously engaging right yes. like it, the movie never stops to kind of just have a chase sequence or something like that. It's a, the chase sequence is actually explaining the logic of a game that is n- critical to the narrative. Yeah. And that, you know, that's kind of always been one of my big things about like uh, most action movies right now is like is is that the fight sequences just kind of stop the movie to kind of have a fight and they're not really telling more story. Right. And this is like every everything that happens kind of builds on the previous thing that happens. Yeah. And I, and I kind of love that. Yeah. Even even and you know like I won't spoil what the ending is here. But like the ending has got nothing to do with that beginning. Nope. You know, but, it's it's a complete escalation. But in such a rare case that it's it's great. Yeah, like it's that, brilliant. Normally, yeah. when that happens, you're like, you forgot what you were doing. This no. movie never forgot what it was doing. No, it's a really really smart script. Yeah, I think my only criticism, and it's a it's a it's a personal. You know, it's one of those things we've identified as personal criticisms versus logic rational criticisms. Yeah. And my personal criticism here is that the movie didn't. The, the movie didn't resonate as strongly as I would have hoped it would have given how good the story is an escalation of the previous film. Interesting. And I think and I think that just has to do with like either not being connected to this world and it's something that Pixar does really well. You know, Pixar stories are really good at like connecting this to, you know, connecting the audience to the story they're trying to tell. And I think for me I, I would guess that there's there's some fun or or something emotional to be had about the idea that people just aren't playing arcade games anymore, and like it would be fun to have like this, you know, like to have Vanellope's game like be taken away from the arcade and trashed or or taken into someone's home. But that's exactly the story of Toy Story Two. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that. So I so I, I I'm you know don't mind that they didn't do that because then if it was I, the first thing I would say was like uh, Toy Story did it. Yeah, yeah. Toy Story Two. Yeah. But but it, but while the ending is emotionally strong and i think the the ending kind of like gets to a point where where you know i am having emotional moments at these two characters you know like resolving this movie again i'm trying to do this without spoilers yeah but but i think the thing the 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 slightly problematic thing for me is that at the beginning of the film we don't sense vanellope's unease at ralph's codependence of her you do though you I felt it obviously when middle to the end, middle to the end, when he starts like being, you know, absolutely one hundred percent toxic male. But at the beginning, he's, ba- you know, like when he gives her the thing she wants, she's very excited about it. You know, she's really happy about it. And I'm not. It just kind of like I was like, as a story arc, 
I was, I wasn't, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I, I like it, but I didn't think it was as strong as I think it could have been. I thought this at first, and then I sort of played back the sort of beginning as much as I remembered in my head. I was like, what were the signs that Penelope was actually not comfortable with this? And it starts when her game gets taken offline and they have to live in the power bar or like whatever. And she's yeah. sleeping around. Like she has to like crash sleeping it. around. No, but you know like... what I mean? She's like crashing on the roof of like Ralph's building or yeah, whatever, yeah. Uh, or in the pile of bricks, yeah. building a car out of it, which was very sad. Um, she doesn't. The, the thing that happens is she only glitches when, when she, she's insecure or when, unhappy. No, well, when Ralph is telling her a solution or what she should be thinking, it's a weird. It's it's yeah. it's super. It's super light, and it did not hit me at first. Yeah. But that. But during conversations, I thought, oh, she's just randomly glitching because she's uncomfortable. But then I'm like, oh no, it's when Ralph's like, well, you could just live here whenever you want, and then she's like, I, and like it's it's moments. It's it's super small and I, and I want to watch it again to make sure I'm correct. But that but it's that's where I saw that's the only time I saw that. That the uh, I I agree. That, I think that's a very subtle point and I think it might be true. But the only other counterpoint to that is Ralph also eases her her glitching. Like so, for example, when she's like upset uh, when they're in the internet and they don't know where to go and where are they gonna you know how are they gonna figure this out? He's like, hey kid, don't worry about it. We could go ask that guy. He seems to know a lot. And she stops glitching because. He puts her at ease. So that's an interesting point about how dependencies yeah. are formed. Because not all the time when a, a, a toxic relationship, when one person is fully dependent on another, that builds because sometimes, sometimes it's helpful. And then your brain starts crossing those sort of wires. And you're, a person that might not be good for you, starts. it starts to register. You at least start like acting as though like, oh, well, they still have my best interest in time. Because remember that like one time, like whatever. And like even if the percentage of good versus bad starts switching, it it. But it's not, it's not as crystal clear. It is not. It as, is as like, for example, the middle of the film oh, yeah. when Ralph really yeah, wrecks I, it. So yeah. we should go into spoilers yeah. at this point. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're about, whoa, we're <laughs> yeah. in it. We're in it. We're yeah, in yeah. it. Don't, don't worry. It took us a long time to get to the movie yeah. theater to buy some popcorn to sit through those director <laughs> introductions and <laughs> Give shit to film students. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, everyone. Film students uh, who go on to like three picture deals at Sony that we will never. Of course, <laughs> but but if they ask me to enjoy that film I watched, I will not. Oh, you'll get them good. You'll get them real good. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed ya! Zing! <laughs> Take that, future of cinema. <laughs> I'm a relic. Um. So yes, okay. So they go into the internet, and again, this was the the thing that resonated for me here is having just visited Disney World and and like experience I I'd, I'd been to Disneyland in California and but I did it when I was like 18 years old or something Oh so like this that. was your I didn't realize this was your first time in Disney World Yeah first complete first time in Disney Shit and like it was the first time I like I started appreciating how much of a monolithic brand Disney is and how much of Disney World is a branding exercise you know like how much of it is like we have created brands, like we have created these princess brands, and we are going to reinforce those brands not just through, just not through dress, through through the way they speak, but also through iconography and what they stand for. You know, like Marshall McLuhan would have a, obviously would have a field day with Disney, but it's like the the. Uh, and the thing that, you know, like, again, I, I took my child and my niece uh, to this as well. It was like seeing how they responded to branding and, and how much, like, branding has come home with us now. And it's kind of about our, you know, like, that's yeah. how our kids kind of interact with the world a little bit now. Um, what I loved about this movie was, like, just the fact that as soon as they go to Disney World, uh, the Disney Portal, I think it is, or something like that. Um, my Portal did, no. Well, yeah. uh, well, that's, it was that's a website that they yeah, went yeah, to. Yeah. 
um, how much like you, st- you know, and I guess I understood it intellectually, but never really tactically until I went to Disney World, mm. how much Disney owns everything, you know, like Marvel, Star Wars, Toy Story, Pixar, you know, like all of those things are all within the market. Then- all the Disney stuff. Yeah, and, and also, but not even just that. Like, even Independence, and remember, Disney used to own Miramax. Yep. Um, you know, so, like, Disney has its... And Disney owns a lot of television as well. So it's like Disney, as far as our entertainment goes, Disney owns almost all of the intellectual property within that world and is very, very conscious of how to, like, place that... You know, how, how to how to target certain viewers for certain things and how to, like, you know, dissuade viewers for certain things. And what's happened is... Young girls, y- young children, you know, particularly young girls, princesses have become lumped into sort of one category of identity. And I think that's what this film kind of like just gently pokes holes at with with the scene where Vanellope meets the other Disney princesses, you know, who all say a big, strong man had to save us at some point. And and I think what it's, you know, again, it sort of has that that weird dichotomous relationship where it is a Disney property. It is, um, you know, it is eventually they, you know, re- the next time you go to Disney, you might see Rick at Ralph toys uh, or Rick at Ralph ride or you know, like R- Ralph is going to become part of the brand identity, yeah. uh, if not already has at this point. But but it is poking holes at that identity. Well, so so here's the the mm-hmm. truth of the matter is they've been shifting the princess brand for a little bit now. If you look at Frozen, mm-hmm. the entire plot of Frozen is literally shitting on Disney princesses. I'm, you know, I actually haven't watched Frozen. Oh yet. wow, then I won't say more than that. But it's great. I've been to like two Frozen singalongs right now, but uh, I haven't. Look, seen it. I love Frozen. I have no problem. I, you know, it, it's always popular to hate something that gets like super. You know, because because even popular things can get annoying. Like yeah. I heard Let It Go way too many times. I started to not enjoy the song, but. Like the movie itself is great, yeah. Um, but but Disney has had sort of a long, a, a slow but steady path of being like, we realize our princess trope is is ridiculous, and we are changing what it is. Right. This is a natural extension of that because they're old characters that are still, you know, whatever. And 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 some interesting stuff happens, and this goes back to how. Disney is a master of how they should shield to you, or how a brand should be. Yeah. Case in point. Minor spoiler. Vanellope, uh, everyone when when after they're having a couple jokes about like who the who they all are, they're like backstage from a, on the internet. The joke was all the princesses are there for a uh, like a almost like a BuzzFeed esque yeah. type like which Disney princess are you? And like people answer the questions and then they revealed that they're like best friends or something. Yeah. So uh, after they talk for a bit, all the princesses are like, "Oh, I love your dress," to Vanellope, who's literally just in like a comfy sweatshirt. Yeah. And then they're like, you know, I've never seen anything like this. This is amazing. And then you realize, oh my god, they're they're literally commenting on like how they're all in fucking corsets and ball gowns all the fucking time. Yeah. And then they th- this is why it's so fucking genius. They cut away, and all the princesses are now in like comfy clothes, and they're like, "This is the best." Yeah. So you're 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 dismantling a bit of patriarchy, sort of right there. Boom, yeah. done. Check mark off the box. Then you have the idea that. So, so no, no. Let me rewind. That is the culturally good thing that Disney is doing with its brands. It's poking fun at itself for enforcing a stereotype, and then making you know that now no longer sort of enforcing it. But what they're doing on the side is enforcing it. All those shirts that the princesses are wearing are excellently graphic designed, and I guarantee you they will be sold. Oh, yeah. And I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, they're doing the Overwatch thing. 
Oh, what's the Overwatch? Overwatch has a bunch of different apparel that I've noticed a lot of people that are into. Again, it's Overwatch is a much smaller, obviously, than Disney's much smaller thing. But like, they do different phrases or iconography that have to do with characters that could also pass as a regular shirt that is not Overwatch. Right. These the Disney princesses either had phrases or like an apple or like something, and it was all like the same, not the same style of art, but the same type of like. By the way. You probably want to buy this. Right. Like, so they're doing a good thing while also doing a, a sales pitch to you. Yeah. And I feel like, at least for me, and I don't know, I can't speak to obviously everybody. I mean, I will, but I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Is I like that. I understand that you are a, 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 a gigantic business that needs to print money. I understand that. As long as you are honest with me. And, and not only honest, but also clever with me. You need to be honest sort of in certain things that you tell me about why you're doing a thing. Also, be very clever in how you sort of do stuff. Don't just try to, like, do basically what Coca-Cola does in the beginning of films now. And it's like <laughs> just literally trying to overwhelm you with Coca-Cola imagery in hopes that you'll remember that time you had a Coke and it, it was tasty. Yeah. Like, I think it's very smart and and savvy, and it's the kind of advertising I want as opposed to a lot of the brute force advertising with people that maybe aren't as good at it or don't have as much money to be as good at it. Yeah, I liked that moment because it did both a really good thing while also still keeping the company's bottom line afloat. Of course. I mean, this movie is going to make a ton of money. Uh, the movie is also going to sell products from here, from here on in. Um, and it is, it is, ref you know, I think the thing that's fun about it is it's reflective of the way we as consumers kind of interact with our favorite brands. Now, yeah. whether we interact with our favorite brands like that because we're kind of conditioned to do so is a slightly different story. You know, like um, it would, you know, like some would say that the way the other thing is, is like the. Disney is kind of cannibal self-cannibalizing its own brands at this right. point, you know, until they inject new things. Like, and, and I'm sort of still struck by why didn't Inside Out become as culturally relevant as Toy Story? Because I think Inside Out does more positive for the world than, you know, like it's not selling. I mean, they might sell you toys, but they're also talking about a language for how to codify your emotions. I think it's because nostalgia at this point in, in cultural society, nostalgia is OK. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and sadly, um, dealing, dealing with your emotional distresses <laughs> often in, in public polite society is still not OK. There's a lot of stigma to mental health. Uh, I would I would just hope that that conversation would change like but but again I'm not yeah. I, no hater aid here on the on the topic you know like yeah. again uh, when I took my niece to see like Frozen singalongs what I liked is that you know like she saw characters that were empowering for her of course it you you start getting into real specifics here because it was like oh there are no characters that are her color you know yeah. or you know characters that are blonde and and blue eyed and and that sort of thing and and it's there's nothing wrong with that but it's just difficult for her to find her place in that world yeah. you know or or it will be it will be pointed out to her in some way and it's subtle but it kind of reinforces that coming back to the movie i think the movie you know its job isn't to like tackle all the woes of the world kind no. of thing it is there to kind of like do a, a smart enough story that resonates with the world we live in today i think in a smart way and um and and still like poke fun at itself at at the world it lives in, and I think you know like the best episodes of The Simpsons used to do, and the best episodes of Futurama. I think this film actually does that. Yeah, there, there's this particular moment um, when uh, yes, the algorithm who works at BuzzTube, played by Taraji P Henson, who is uh, it was great. I thought Delighted. her yeah. and Gail Gadot or Gadot uh, Gadot Gadot Gadot. <laughs> Gail Gadot um, 
they killed this hundred uh, percent. I think the voice acting was. A it's delight. funny. I. It's funny you say that. So I guess I'm not as well versed in what uh, what what quantifies like good performance and bad performance. But I didn't. I didn't have an issue with Jane Lynch or or Brayer or. Uh, but but I actually thought Gal Gadot, for example. I kind of recognized her voice. I and, didn't. And, and that they, was what I liked about and, it. And and I kind of I didn't think she was doing. I liked her in it. I, yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is it's it's not it's not the performer's work. I I'm I'm sort of trying to understand your point here about. I believe it uh, this is the weird thing, and and maybe I have to go back and watch the first one. But I felt like both Felix and um, General, or uh, I forget the, uh, Jane Lynch's character's name. I forgot her name. Um, but they. They in the first movie felt like rich. They not even felt like. I know they had more screen time, but their their voices and the way that they talked about what they were talking about felt nuanced, and you could feel different tenors and and um and inklings sort of in their performance that made it very like they spent. It felt like they did a million takes. They spent a lot of time. They worked. You know, whatever. Da, 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 da. Do you think that's just a factor of the fact they're just not in this movie that much? I, well, I do. Yeah. I, I, and I'm. It's it's not even their fault. I think. Yeah. I, I think it's because I bet you they did only go in for. A a couple days because they're not the mainstays of this film they don't need to be there that yeah. much they probably did it enough where they were like this is good but this movie felt like those two actors doing a caricature a bit of what they remembered their old characters were and i don't think it, it almost was like not reined in enough yeah i, I mean for me the one that <clears throat> that does that is bill Hader as uh, the uh, spammy or something like, like that. that fine. No, but but the reason I kind of like noticed it was I was like, oh, this is the exact same voice as his character in Inside Out. You know what I mean? Oh. So so I was like, and and like like for example, at the end credits, they were like, you know, they they did like a whole full full page splash of Ed O'Neill being the uh, the um, video st- uh, the the yep. uh, arcade owner, and I was like, he had like one line in this movie, but I bought it. I, so my point there is, I didn't think any of those performances were bad. Like I thought all those performances were good. I just think you know they're just not in the movie. And you know it is what it is. Like I actually liked. Uh, is it Mark? Br- whatever his name is, Felix. Felix's um, moment in the um, in Tapper was the in, only time I actually tap- bought it. Yeah, and I like the idea that he's like suddenly become a dad, and he's like you know he's what? like oh you know he's 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 they're breaking my stuff, you know, kind of thing. I like that. I wonder if. Because I, the, the two scenes that really bugged me with him were when the kids first come to their apartment and the end when they're at the Sugar Rush sort of stands. Mm. And it was when both he and Jane Lynch were probably in the booth together. Right. There was something weird and off. And I and I, I need to watch it again. Again, right. this is – I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm harping on this. I feel like because there's not a lot of things to harp on in this yeah. film. Like this is my one thing. The, o- the only thing that pulled me out. Gail Gadot's performance – I believed a hundred percent that it was this. What was it? Uh, sta- not Shank. Uh, Shank. Yeah, I thought she was great. Um, and and um, and the game itself was amazing. Slaughter Race. Yeah. Uh, oh, side note. So Slaughter Race is meant to be like Grand Theft Auto. Right? Yeah. It's like an open uh, world race. Yeah. Uh, Slaughter Race. Um, uh, in this place called Slaughter Race, better be on the Oscar list of best songs of the year because I think, yeah. I I it's. I don't think it's going to win, of course, yeah. but I think it should be on there because it's it's clever, it's clever, it's funny, and it's a good song. And it plays literally into some of the tropes that we were just talking about. The the princesses when they're in the in the thing, they're like, "Oh, if you're having trouble figuring out what you want to do, just reflect on yourself in a pool of water." And she and Vanellope's like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, but it has to be important water." Right. And then you realize that like that's yeah. stupid as shit, and like you'll find your song, yeah. and then like. 
then when Vanellope sort of finds her song, it's ridiculous and very Vanellope. And yeah. and Sarah Silverman, I feel like we didn't even bring this up, and John C. Riley, yeah, both fucking kill this. Yeah, I think. They, they they have a lot of fun with it. I think and I think. I think like John C. Riley is kind of doing what we expect John C. Riley to do, but Sarah Silverman is kind of she's giving us uh, she she is the counterpoint to him, and she's a very effective counterpoint to him. You know, like she's all bubble and energy, but like with a undertone of neurosis, which works. Well, so now let's get into a bit of the the sort of the the meat and potatoes beyond Disneyland sort of thing about this, and and between the second and third parts of the acts of this film. You start to realize that Vanellope's unhappiness might not just be with the fact that she is bored. Yeah. Um, but that now that this world, she now she's always felt like there's a world bigger for her, and now that this she might have found even a place she belongs in, even more than the place she originally never felt like she belonged in, and then they sort of made a place for her in. Yeah. And and on top of that, because Ralph is so happy with his particular way his life goes, um, he doesn't want to see her change really or leave and he becomes increasingly and i wouldn't even call it villainous he becomes increasingly selfish in the friendship he yeah. want he keeps calling slaughter race stupid even though he knows that vanellope's having a wonderful time in it yeah. to the point where later on in the movie he does something to try to sabotage the game to get her to come back to want to be in sugar basically to manipulate her into staying in their little life that they've built. He's gonna wreck it. He's gonna wreck. That's the other thing. He uh, he wrecks everything in like it's true. Everything he does that's a even like like something that that's that bad to even like the stuff that starts the plot off is just him breaking shit. Yeah, and that's he is, another. He's the main antagonist of this film. That's the through line. He yeah. does just break stuff. Yeah. Um. He breaks the sugar rush. They owe money because he doesn't understand how bidding works. Yeah. He he literally breaks the internet, quote unquote, Kim Kardashian style. Uh. Because he gets so popular for like right. three seconds yeah. and then he breaks the internet because literally the thing he tried to do to the slaughter race game comes back to bite him in the ass and the villain of the movie spoiler 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 turns into be the the weakness and the vulnerability of his own emotional state that morphs into a ever cloning basically computer virus that is incredibly needy and only wants to hunt down Vanellope. And and I, I I think that's genius. By the way, I thought that was like such a clever escalation of the story. At that yeah. point, I was like, even because they introduced that idea very late in the second act. Yep. Um. So I thought that was just really amazing writing and really clever. Searching for vulnerabilities. Yeah, I I love that. And like I loved how the virus kind of looked like the eye of Sauron yeah. as well. Um. But but you know the the thing is is if if I was to codify their relationship in some way the while. You can understand, you, you see the toxicity in the relationship in terms of, like, Ralph just wanting to keep things the same and not letting her go. But the other thing is, there was something about the, the way the relationship is kind of played where it didn't feel like these were, it was necessarily toxic. No, no, it is toxic, but it wasn't necessarily toxic in the way that, like, two people who don't know each other become toxic to each other. Oh, is it this, very personalized? No, and no, and this felt very much like parent and child kind of relationship. Sure. Like like this is a parent who's unable to let go of his chi of their child into the world, you mm -hmm. know? Like he keeps calling her kid for example yeah. as well. And there is this even the way they kind of interact towards the end of the movie is very much like a child calling their parent home. And he's like has the the, the medallion thing that she gave him at the end of the first movie. Mm -hmm. That that's a very sort of like I feel like paternal like yeah. you made me this thing. Like this is this is how we are now. Yeah, like, exactly. And I think and and there's something about that relationship which is a little bit more innocent than say a toxic friend. 
You know what I mean? It can it can be bad. Don't get me wrong, but it's just the way because they kind of couch it in these in the sort of parental terms. It does it, it feels much more gentle, and and I think that's what's the PG ness of it. And that and that's where like the idea that she doesn't feel as you know like at the beginning of the movie. It doesn't feel to me like she's as kind of like suffocated by him. Like it's only because of very specific actions that he takes later on in the movie that she decides, you know, that she needs to reject him. Well, it's because before that, their relationship was never in a place where she had any opportunity to see how he might be, not on purpose, but yeah. manipulating their friendship to sort of stay in a specific lane. Yeah. And she might have that undercurrent and that feeling sort of underneath, but never really, you know, it never came to the surface until certain things happened, hence why I think... But that, and I think that may contribute to the why I kind of... It's because there's such a sort of gentle tone to it, yep. that, that a gentle tone to the toxicity of their relationship. Um, that that makes me not as you know like and this this is a minor minor critique i really want to say that it's it's not a it's not a major thing and i think i think you know this is one of those films where if it does resonate with you it will work very very well i just think you know for me personally i was like oh i didn't i i think i needed a, a little bit more latitude in the range of their relationship to kind of to ex- to understand the arc of the film, right, um, in a sort of clear way, but it is it is really good. It's really really good stuff. Yeah, and uh, just in case, I know people tend to like this. We didn't do it in the beginning because we got so derailed. If you're wondering what IMDb says the plot of this film is, uh, I think this isn't a good one, Cher. I'm just putting that out okay, there. Okay, right all right. Let's do Six that. years after the events of Wreck It Ralph, Ralph and Vanellope, now friends, discover a Wi-Fi router in their arcade, leading them to a new adventure. That sounds accurate for the first. Well, you don't want the movie to give away the entire thing. I think that I think that's a perfectly acceptable. Uh, uh, I just wish it was a little more complex. No, I, I think I think for if you you know if the aim of the synopsis is, is just to get people in the theater, and it's basically saying six years later, Rick and Ralph was going to go on the internet. I think that's cool. Uh, you know, you know some of the things, uh, some of the opportunities that I think would have been interesting in this film. And again, this is ideas that may be terrible, but it kind of like I was like, oh, I, I'm curious what. Now that we've broadened the scope of the Rick at Ralph world, right. it'd be interesting to see, you know, the the MAME idea, you know, like people like going back to nostalgia, you know, like people in more sophisticated... The what idea? MAMEs, you know, like uh, M-A-M-E's. Memes. No, no, M-A-M-E's, so uh, emulators. Oh, the MAME is an emulator. Yeah, yeah, MAME is an emulator, yeah. but, you know, like, so emulator... ROM is the, is yeah. the program that yeah. plays the game. So it'd be yeah, interesting to, itself. like, see... Like people uh, reacting to the nostalgia of like bringing Rickett Ralph back because his his character becomes so popular in that world, and I was kind of curious about like I I would have thought like a nice button to this movie would have been the fact that like a nice storyline that I would have wanted to explore is the owner of the vi- of the arcade kind of like having to like face up to the fact that everyone's on the internet now and mm-hmm. that games aren't as popular. But then because of like Ralph goes on the internet and becomes popular, suddenly his arcade becomes popular again and people are coming back to play Rick at Ralph because they're so inevitable. I just think that would have been like a nice through line or or just an interesting opportunity to explore. Again, this movie's got a lot on its mind as it is. I know. Yeah. I, I was thinking that too. One thing that always got me about this game that I'm, I'm happy they never tackled because it's kind of like, a, well, how does this work sort of thing? And I don't think the films need it. Yeah. But both films never deal with the fact that there are multiple copies of a game out there. Like yeah. the first film, you're stuck in the arcade, so you understand that it's a closed off environment. Yeah. This one, I was waiting for the thing where like they ran into themselves. Right. They ran into like yeah, uh, maybe a ROM version. A ROM version of themselves, or uh, you know, what however you want to do it. So yeah. um 
Yeah, I, I, but again, I think even dealing with that gets a little too much into the weeds, and unless the joke is amazing, like yeah. it's not doing anything, so who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah, and this is yeah, this is that thing we do where sometimes we're like, oh, what could this movie be yeah. as opposed to what this movie? But this is. movie's a lot of things. This uh, movie is a lot of things, and it works really well. Yeah, it works really, really well. Um, yeah, I think, man, I just I like the idea. And then, and at the end, I mean, they do a lot of catharsis and tie-in stuff too. Like at the end, Ralph's falling, and the princesses save him. I love that. It's random, uh, but it's I liked it because it's literally like playing against a thing. Like now, the girls are going to save the guy. And I love that they put him in the, in the Snow White dress. In the Snow White dress, and he's like, "Oh, this is not a dress for big boys." Here, yeah, let me just yeah, try yeah. to fix that. I love that. Yeah. I think I think I think that is a really good example of poking fun. At where this film actually comes from, yeah, and I think I think it's very effective and it works really really well. Um, Agreed. Yeah, uh, I, you know I dug this a lot. I guess final thought would be like you know it, it this this is a film that is a hell of a good time, but also has a lot on its mind and a lot to say, and it it gets it across in very concise and and powerful ways. I shed a tear at one point at the end. Yeah, uh, it was it was. It was a really great movie-going experience that doesn't just play off of, like, the nostalgia I think the first one kind of did. Like, the first one was like, look at this great positive representation of various things in gaming culture. This is more of like, look at the internet. There's a lot of great stuff, but look how it can actually twist you into kind of a monster. You know, it even dealt with, at one point, and I kind of wish, again, going back to your thing, what could it have been? When Ralph sees the comments on his videos he makes. Yeah. Um, you wish it, you went to Jay and Silent Bob on it? It puts into a spiral. No, they go and punch. They go <laughs> yeah. to the houses of Jay and Silent Bob and literally beat up everyone <laughs> who comments on them. How many people want to kick some ass? Yeah. Um, but the but Ralph like gets really hit by it. And I think that actually damages his ego even more and pushes him more towards being more controlling because he's worried more that like no one likes him no one likes him Vanellope doesn't like him he, he kind of dismisses it right away though but like, it, it, yeah. you know like he's like oh this is the only thing that matters to me you know since uh, it doesn't matter well, people it, have it hated causes me him, but here's the thing it causes it reminds him it it it, it puts his neediness to a fucking focal point. And yeah. that strengthens it again. Because he was getting recognition for a while, much like you can on the internet, and then it goes away. I, I Again, I, I hate to bring it back to extra credit stuff, but like I look on the comment section, and a yeah. lot of the community that follows extra credits are absolutely wonderful, and yeah. they are so supportive, even when we make a blunder or a mistake. Yeah, There's some mean fucking people. <laughs> yeah. And I don't read the comments anymore. And right. it sucks, because I'd love to interact with that part of the community anymore, yeah. more, but I'm I'm actually afraid to i've i've gotten into a thing where i read uh especially in the beginning a couple months ago where i read things uh about myself that made me not feel great at all and <laughs> then but then i noticed that my work and my recording or whatever i was doing started to dip like yeah. the quality of it because i wasn't excited and i was like this is because i let this garbage get in my head yeah so i can relate very much to you know you shake it off you say it's not important but if you see it and you and you internalize it, it becomes important. And I could totally see how that moment for Ralph focuses. He was like, "Well, at least I got this one thing, which is not a healthy way to look at anything." Yeah. And then when that gets shattered, he becomes more and more toxic. Yeah. Um, I think this movie is a wonderful film. I think it can teach a lot of people things in a comfortable and sort of safe-ish environment, but deals also with heavy topics that are not often dealt with in a film like this. And I think um, it it has the wonderful ability to 
talk about specific topics without making you either eye roll or even kind of realize until afterward you were like, oh man, this is actually about this. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I loved it. I, I would uh, recommend everyone go see it regardless of your age. Uh, well, actually, that was an interesting thing. There were, I went to a 10 o'clock screening and there were a couple of three, like very, very young kids in the audience. But again, I it, it's it's not like the Deadpool scenario where I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was I kind of like, it's Thanksgiving night. I get it. You know, like the only thing I had really had a problem with was a guy uh, who answered phone, who answered his phone during the movie. Well, that's just a, yeah. a dickhead. <laughs> Other than that, uh, no, it is it is a wonderful film. Um, I think it really is um, smart in the way that like similar to the way that Inside Out kind of uh, was was smart about how to visualize this world that we all know and understand. Yeah. Um, it didn't, you know, like emotionally, I think I wasn't 100% on board with the story, but for minor reasons, and it might be a case where I think I would watch this uh, a second time and kind of feel that way. I also think uh, this is one of those rare sequels that, that really improves upon the first one. It doesn't just come back to like rehash things they did in the first movie. I think it actually makes the first movie better. It it expands the world in a, in a sort of wonderful yeah. way. Um, I if they were to come back to this franchise, which is like it's a Disney property, then they're coming my, back. They're coming back to this. Uh, you know, I would hope that they again kind of took the same approach to this, which is like how do we escalate now beyond this? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's a, a wonderful time. I think it's a really strong Thanksgiving film as well. Uh, you know, in in so much as it uh, you know appears around Thanksgiving, so you can go see it with your family, that kind of thing. Yeah. So no, I you know again minor little nitpicks from me, but 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 they're irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been the only podcast about the film Ralph Breaks the Internet. Shahir, <laughs> when you <laughs> when you are not uh, using the internet for its one true purpose, <laughs> where can folks find you? Uh, you won't find me because that's all I'll be doing. Oh, no. <laughs> right. You can find me on my website, www.shahirdaud.com. Matt, when you are not popping champagne off your butt, in uh, I in, know what yeah, yeah, with just uh, a pair of gloves. Is that what it was? I, pff, I don't remember. That's how she broke the internet. I, That's what broke the internet. It was didn't though. That was the ad campaign about it. Was it literally on the on the cover on the picture? It said Kim Kardashian breaks the internet, and you're like, no, it didn't did break. she? Yeah, no, but it did. In no, that it didn't. It, no, it, it did. In so much as like everyone was talking about it, it was. Uh, it was a moment on the internet, right? Like, it was, like, a real moment. Sometimes I'm thankful that the internet is so fast that, like, now that's just a joke. Right. Um, when <laughs> but I, it's a joke that has been incorporated into this title. Listen, when I am not serving delicious, sweet French champagne from my posterior, uh, pouring it as I as I, as I I sort of bend over to the side, uh, fully clothed, probably in a four-piece uh, suit. No, 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 no. You need to... You need no, to no, no. That's you, how you I break the internet, is more cloth. You can find me at <laughs> M-A-T-T-H-E-W K-R-O-L.com for my life and works or Skeletor the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter also please check out Extra Credits Extra History Extra Mythology and Extra Sci-Fi which will be coming back in the beginning of January that one's uh, on hiatus um, but we're doing Lord of the Rings and Dune and Dune yeah is it, uh, is it a series so we're doing world builders so we're talking about Herbert and Tolkien and like the different ways that they structured their stuff and how they were basically the blueprint for a lot of sort of epic sci-fi and epic fantasy are you going to read the entire including the Cimmerillion Cimmer- uh, we, we're getting there it's right. it's uh, it's a bit of a beast right now I'm trying to get through Dune um, yeah. Dune I'm liking Dune but That's I think I'm liking book, Dune right? because yeah. it's slow and it's a slow burn but like I've never been in a book club before uh, and something that Extra Credits is doing actually if anyone would like to join uh, eight uh 
uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesdays. We read two or three chapters. You have to read two or three chapters of Dune beforehand, I believe. When this comes out, we will be on chapters 15 and 16 for the next one. Yeah. Or 16 or 17 and 18. Uh, either way. You're in the teens. Yeah. Um, and I have never had a point, a, a thing in real life or on the internet where we uh, – we're doing this on Twitch. So check out extra credits on, on twitch.tv if you'd like to join in on our book club. But uh, I'd never done a book club at all. And uh, it makes reading it way more interesting because I'm oh, like, yeah. I got thoughts. Yeah. yeah. I, I love book clubs. Uh, I I haven't been in one for a while, but I would say college, like uh, literature classes, is pretty much just a, a sort of a, a big old book club. A book club that you're paying thousands of dollars oh, for. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, this one's free. So if you want to check yeah. it out, check it out. Uh, with that, do we know what we're doing next week? Uh, I love this because we never talk about it until this moment. Yeah. I. I think it's Widows. I uh, think it's Widows. Should we do Widows? I think so. Unless there's nothing there's... new coming out. We'll, we'll check it out. I think we should do Widows because I really enjoyed it. You know what? Um, one thing about this episode that is kind of intriguing me and you know, to wrap it all out is that this has been a really heartwarming episode. Has it? Yeah, I feel I feel good inside. I feel warm and fuzzy. Like we sometimes we walk out of episodes where it's like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> world fucking sucks. Yeah. Why? This is I I like I feel good. Yeah. No, you feel good. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I feel good. I'm gonna go back and do a bunch more work today, but it, it, it's, I'll, I'll be in a good mood doing it. Yeah, I feel good. All right. So hopefully those good vibes uh, went to you as well, and uh, we will have you hear us next week. Maybe for some widowing. I mean, d- d- uh, it was, it was, sure, no one can hide from my side, Shahir. What? Yeah. What was that? Overwatch. <laughs> How would I know that? I know. You know like, that's like throwing a roof. Why, I know. Why, why I know. would I know? That is terrible. Hey, You're do, terrible. Do, you know those good vibes we just do had? Do you still feel All good? Gone. Do you All still gone. feel good? Gone. It's high noon. <laughs> is that Red Dead Redemption? I'm only knowing that because of what you're doing. No. no. Terrible. No. You're terrible. Bye. Bye.